we are so excited to start up a podcast. It's called Discovering Nutrition with Chronometer. I'm Elisa, the Community Marketing Manager here, and I am absolutely thrilled to have our first guest, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, who is one of our partners at Chronometer. So very deserving of the first episode. How, how, first of all, how lucky am I? to be number one. You are number one. Like, right, yeah, like if you're not first, you're last. But 100%. to be the first guest. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Well, we were thinking about like lining up guests. You were definitely, everyone's like, well, Dr. G. We call her Dr. G because we have that kind and of they, relationship. They call me swear words Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. <laughs> Dr. G today. So this month, uh, we're focusing on women's health, which is awesome. Yeah. Before we jumped on this call, I was just discussing that uh, I've recently kind of fallen off the wagon mm-hmm. a little bit, which is something that I can imagine most women can empathize with you know like I oh no no one ever falls off the wagon everyone stays the course Perfect. like yes yeah everybody falls off the wagon and what's so incredible about it is it's really predictable mm-hmm. can you tell me yeah. why I think it would be you know it's really interesting and we were just talking before in terms of I see patients in a clinical setting and in clinical practice And there are certain things that I always see. And one of them in particular is weight fluctuations. And Mm -hmm. typically there is this thing that happens where people will get on a nutrition plan, any kind of plan, whether it's nutrition, weight loss, and they will do great for a period of time. Then, and maybe it's three months, sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's a year, but inevitably something happens and sometimes it's a life stressor, which Mm -hmm. that is totally predictable. Sometimes it's a vacation. Sometimes it's a kid thing or a family thing, or sometimes they get sick and they take off from the gym. Is that what happened? They get sick. That's that's exactly what happened. It's so fascinating that I don't actually see you as a patient, but Mm -hmm. I knew that there are about a handful of things that will take people off track. What's incredible about this is that human nature is predictable. I'm lucky now because since I started working at Chronometer, like when, because I have a history in my 20s of yo-yo dieting. So I would like be gaining and losing the same 10 pounds. That doesn't happen anymore. When I say I've fallen off the wagon, I think I, I gained like a pound. My weight's been pretty stable. So I definitely am more aware of it, but you nailed it. I got sick about a month ago and I'm a runner. I love running. I run, you know, around 10 K almost every day. I do take some rest days. Yeah. I just wasn't moving my body as much. And then naturally I'm, I'm used to eating a certain amount of calories because I'm burning a certain amount of calories. And, and when I didn't have that physical activity in there, you know, which is like five, 600 calories I'm burning. That's a big difference. So, and then I find like, it's like a mental health thing for me as well, but just, I was eating way more sugar and I, I'm tracking it all in chronometers. So I'm like, Oh, my sugar intake's through the roof. So I'm uh, back on yeah. now, back yeah. on now getting, getting adequate protein, which a lot of women struggle with getting adequate protein or have misconceptions about how much they actually need or what it will do. There's like fear of bulking, which I think is getting better, but definitely getting more protein. I'm listening to everything you've been saying. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Uh, We're also friends. So there you go. What you're saying is, is true. What's interesting is you've been focusing on women's health 
And number one, there is this way where people, it is predictable and they fall off the path. Very easy to get back on. You cannot cognitively be ready nor think yourself back on track. Ultimately, what is incredibly helpful is execution. So is just getting back on noticing, not beating yourself up. You know, guys don't do that actually. No, you know, the guys, no they don't. But, the, but women, especially the women in my practice have an, an, a narrative about, mm -hmm. I can't believe I did that. You know, I'm so fat. I can't believe I did that. We do shame so much better. Right. That's but, not something we want to do. We want to be good at, but we definitely we have more shame typically than men do about, about food and diet and exercise and our bodies. Yes. So. And women tend to do that. And I would say the first most important step a person can make is number one, plan for the predictable weakness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, after that's done is you mentioned something really important is you mentioned that getting in uh, adequate protein. And I know that I talk about protein a lot. And there's a lot of confusion in the space about protein and rightfully so protein in and of itself, we think of it as a macronutrient. It's simple to say protein, but what protein actually is, is 20 amino acids in mm -hmm. different numbers all put together that make up something. It is really complex versus say a carbohydrate or a fat. And yes, there's different fatty acids and yes, there's different kinds of carbohydrates and starch and fiber, but protein, a dietary protein and anywhere in nature is really made up of 20 amino acids. Those 20 amino acids exist in varying amounts, essentially different kinds of ingredients for different foods. So the amino acid content in a leaf is going to be different than an amino acid content in an egg, right? Absolutely. And this creates a lot of confusion. And what we must understand is that protein and each one of those amino acids does something different in the body. Mm -hmm. And especially if one is trying to manage weight, it actually helps with neurotransmitters, which is amazing that a food source, for example, tryptophan, which is one of the amino acids is a precursor for serotonin. Right. And if you're I not actually knew this your, is turkey, <laughs> exactly. And if you're not going to get your serotonin from protein, you're probably going to try to eat it from carbohydrates. Right. You're going to probably try to increase serotonin levels by eating, right? Not that you're going to increase them because they do work, you know, obviously the precursor is tryptophan, but there are going to be ways that you're going to compensate for lower protein. Absolutely. Intake. Yeah. And your body will just do that, which is. Yeah. It's called the protein leverage hypothesis, actually. <laughs> there is a hypothesis for <laughs> by a guy named Simpson, and he said that a one, that a person will feed to get the amino acid amount needed. And oftentimes we don't realize it's a protein and we'll feed on carbohydrates till we meet that threshold. That's incredible. Is that the same for women as it would be for men? Because let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. I think that protein has not typically been a macronutrient that women have been told to focus on until lately. You know, totally like I, it, it's, it's changing for sure. One of our premises for this month is that women are not small men. Most, most nutrition guidelines have been built for men. And I think a lot of focus has been on protein consumption for men. What do you think? Like, is it the same for, should it be the same for women? Is it different? Cause we have different bodily processes going on. Yeah, like obviously hormone levels. Question. 
These are phenomenal questions. And we should credit Stacy. I think her name is Dr. Stacy Sims, that, who, who has absolutely women are not small men. And I think that she's onto something amazing. Mm -hmm. And when we think about protein needs, we think about where they came from and they really originated from uh, nitrogen balance studies. So a component of protein is nitrogen. Nitrogen is essential and we actually have to get it from the diet, which is very interesting. I mean, obviously there is non-essential proteins, but nitrogen, yes. arguably we need it for life and, and we do get it from nutrition. So Based on that, they determined a minimum protein amount. And right now the data suggests or has been suggested that it's 0.8 grams per kilogram. That is for men and women. Now that's the bare minimum. That is not the maximum. The bare minimum is 0.8 grams per kilogram. And the average woman eats about 65 grams of protein a day. Those numbers are too low. They may be sufficient to prevent disease and deficiency, but it's really not optimal. And I think ultimately we're in a place in society that it really does become about optimal intake. Mm -hmm. The next thought is really these were based on, yes, largely male studies. And, and typically they came out of um, World War II when they were looking at soldiers. And, wow. and that was one way that they determined the amounts. Now, the way that I think about it is really protein needs are based on body size and not sex about and men tend to be bigger than women of course yeah. men. Mm -hmm. and it really is regardless of the hormonal milieus that are different right so testosterone is typically higher in men estrogen and progesterone is higher in women does this change protein needs and i would argue and say for skeletal muscle which is the amino acid reservoir of the body it doesn't so you my friend would need the same amount of protein as a male your size Okay. This is interesting. Yeah. Now a few caveats to this. What about pregnancy? I was just going to say, what about yeah. when women uh, have their periods, do they need more or when they're yeah. pregnant or breastfeeding? Yeah. Are there instances where we need to increase our intake? Okay. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> the data is, I don't want to say inconclusive, but it is not studied. So women that are pregnant and children have not really been studied. So the best data that we have is, and for good reasons, right? It would be really hard to get the okay to do research on a, a pregnant woman or a child for that matter. So a lot of that data is based on extrapolation, which means it's our best guess estimate. And the most recent information that I've seen has been sadly, uh, sadly low for protein intakes in, in women. And it was one of the organizations, but they recommend it didn't matter the size, hundred grams of protein a day. Okay. To me, that's, that is too low. I still recommend one gram per pound ideal body weight as a base. Absolutely. So for example, when I was pregnant, I think I got to be 150 pounds but my normal body weight was, I don't know, 120. Mm -hmm. So I had a minimum of 120 grams of protein a day. I mean, it's not entirely true because I was really sick and vomiting a lot, oh, but I, I tried. But you did your best. best. You know, yes. I, I did my best, but that's what be, would be a suggestion for you know, pregnancy. And it is a high growth activity rate. You know, Again, if you don't get your nutrients from your food, the body's going to take it. But oh, if you're not getting yes. enough calcium, if you're not getting the nutrients you need for the fetus, your body's going to take it. It's going to take it from you, from the bone, 
from, you know, your stores and then provide for the fetus because you're unimportant. <laughs> you are just the host at this <laughs> point. Right. So you're just the host. Um, but, I mean, that, that's good I, to, yeah. to, a, to an extent that's good, but then you can avoid all of that just by eating proper nutrition or supplementing when needed. So let's talk about a couple strategies because yes, a lot of women, yes. So let, let's make this practical because I think that I am very interested in the science and the history and everyone is probably like falling asleep with their, their dad. You know, I'm so sorry. I hope <laughs> no, we love this. Video. We love I, this. I hope that this is video and you're not listening it's, to me and nodding out. I'm much more entertaining. <laughs> it's going to be both. Yeah. Uh, the people both. That, that can't see uh, Dr. G yeah. is just lovely, animated and beautiful. So <laughs> I, I like text her, make sure she's in a... <laughs> Um, so, you know, it, it, it's really interesting because there's the science, which I find really fascinating. And yes, I have books on amino acids and yes, I read them in my spare time. Most people don't do that. We so, wish everybody would. My friend, Emily always makes fun of me about this, but the reality is, is what is applicable and how can we take the mm -hmm. science and actually say, okay, well, here's an X, here are a handful of executable actions that you can take to make your life better. And if you are pregnant, if you are a woman, if you have fallen off track, a great thing to do would be to start with a protein shake. I don't care what time of day it is. It can be a snack. It can be breakfast. It can be dinner. But anchoring that meal in protein, you don't even have to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's I'm very busy. I don't really cook. I'm somewhat of a disaster in the kitchen. So for me, if and when I do a shake, it is not going to be a smoothie. It's mm -hmm. going to be a protein shake. And uh, what does that mean? That could be whey protein. It could be a rice pea blend. It could be an animal-based blend, like an egg, beef, you know, combo. That is a fantastic way to get your nutrients in. If you're pregnant, I'm not your doctor. I'm not telling you what to do, but these, this is just kind of general information. Uh, you can do a scoop of greens, a scoop of reds, a scoop of protein, and that protein shake, you could easily put and get 40 grams of protein. Oh, easy. Easy. And you know what? There's there's something for everyone now. This is so readily available right. for us. Right. Like there's there's vegan options, options for people who have sensitivities with their stomach to, to things like whey or so Absolutely. really just getting out there and, and finding one that works for you though. I think like some people there's a misconception that it's like chalky or doesn't taste good. I mean it might be, but seriously, toughen up. <laughs> I mean Oh, what? You know, life's not perfect. Hey, yeah. but okay. So then the next thing is, do you know actually what I'm going to say next on what you need to do with your protein shake? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm quizzing you. Okay. Maybe you'll say that you should mix it with another macronutrient. No, or... no close, but here's another very practical tip. Are you ready? Ready. I don't want to get too close. Cause I like my God, I look really tired, but no, you're drinking it within a, if you can drink it within 20 minutes, all at once is better. Interesting. Could it be 30 why minutes? Is, yes. Why so is that? Could it be 30 minutes? Yes. Should you drink it over an hour? No, you shouldn't. And I'm going to tell you why. One of the amino acids that is essential is leucine. And that means we have to get it from the diet. It's that special amino acid. You need to actually get it into the bloodstream at a certain amount. And once you get it into the bloodstream at a certain amount, it triggers a cascade of events. And that cascade of events really, from my perspective, one of them that is so important is muscle protein synthesis, actually turning on the mechanisms of the muscle 
to help over time with the building of muscle. It doesn't do it by itself. You know, I, I, I realize I am simplifying this, but it is very important to raise the amino acids in the bloodstream, specifically that amino acid at one time to trigger a response. So Interesting. if you are to sip, you sip, you go do your work. Like I'm taking notes. I'm very inspired by some of the things <laughs> that our beautiful host is saying you're not actually going to ever reach that threshold. Interesting. I didn't know this. Well, here you this go. is so, I mean, I dump my protein in, in, uh, in less than 20 minutes. I scarf my protein down, but that's interesting. It's yeah. interesting to know that you're not just reaping the, the full benefits if you're not having it in a certain you're, window. You're actually, in my uh, humble opinion, you're actually doing yourself a massive disservice. Mm -hmm. You would be. Because what happens is, is then you actually just kind of like tease it. So, you, you know, you get a little bit of amino acids and it go back down and then a little, and you never actually begin to turn on that muscle tissue. So if you use that strategy over time where you are continuously sipping or eating a meal over a day or over a couple hours, then you don't push the pathway of actually triggering the muscle in the way that you, in the way that would benefit you exponentially with nutritional processes. We have some action items, ladies, gentlemen so that are one, listening. Yeah. Number one, eat protein. Uh, number one, make a shake. If you've fallen off the wagon, which is inevitable, everyone is going to do it, have your protein mm -hmm. shake ready, right? The idea that you are never going to fall off the wagon, the idea that you are never going to do those things is silly. What you are going to do is you're going to plan for it. I'll give you an example. I don't really have a sweet tooth, but you better believe that I've planned for when I do. I definitely I have, have sweet teeth, every single one of these teeth. <laughs> so I have like these little chocolates, you know, I typically use like Quest little peanut butter, whatever mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. You better believe you are not going to get to me, right? I'm ready. I have a pretend <laughs> fake donut. I have, I order these Trident donuts. They're amazing. They're like churros or collagen, keto, whatever donuts. Oh you better believe it. And half the time it goes to waste, right? If it's impossible. Yeah. But you ain't gonna get me. Yeah, I got it. I got yeah. it. I got a plan for when I may have a moment of weakness. I'm not surprised by my own uh, humanity. So that is really important. And then, you know, I don't know how I got on that that topic. But anyway, planning for that. We were just talking about yeah, falling off the wagon. I think like it's getting better, but I I do believe that there's just been so much shame with women and like diet culture, exercise I culture. I think that there's been a lot of pressure. Now we're, we're entering this body positivity movement, which I love, yeah. but, but I remember like models being stick thin, we're right. being told to be stick thin. And I think that's changing now. Strong is the new skinny. And I love that. The new sexy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I think like it's, it's okay. In the past, I would have beat myself up tremendously for you know being lax for for two weeks and now i'm just like i'm going to move on and that's just so much easier and i hope that other women can can do that easily too and kind of like break that yo-yo dieting cycle the other thing i would have done normally which i'm not doing right now uh, and chronometer really helps me with this is before i would have been like ah a pound let me like work this off as quickly as i can and i would have went in the past into a huge caloric deficit and now I'm just like, just get back on plan. I'm just eating what I would have eaten before, you know, not, not doing a significant um, reduction in calories because that has some hormonal implications, right? 
It does. So when you crash diet, uh, depending on the length of the calorie restriction, number one, whenever we lose weight, it's typically not one or the other, right? It's so interesting. You know, as I was, as I was saying that, sorry, um, my husband is FaceTiming me from the other room. Okay. Um, you're off emergency. Bus, huh? Anyway. Your, your, your rights have been cut. Anyway, real here. Um, I'm sure the next step is he's going to come barreling in here. So i prepared. Yep. You can edit that out if you want. Funny. <laughs> we're keeping it. Um, so the next thing is, so we were talking about rapid weight loss. Mm -hmm. Now, wow, you, 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 you nailed that. No. <laughs> rapid weight loss. You better give me a foot rub now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be really dramatic. I'm going to tell him this was a massive podcast and that yes. he totally came in yeah. and now he told, he screwed it all up. Nice for my feet. I'm yeah. okay. And then he's going to watch this and go, wow, um, <laughs> you're a total jerk. So rapid weight loss, rapid weight loss is not overall a great strategy. And when we think about rapid weight loss, people will say, okay, well, I'm going to just lose all this weight. I'm going to lose fat, mm -hmm. but you're also going to lose muscle. And depending yes. on the way in which you do it. Uh, will determine the percentages of what you would lose. And it's really interesting because then on the flip side, as I'm thinking about this, when you gain weight, it's largely fat. Right. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> gaining, gaining muscle um, is, a, is a lot more work yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that, that should definitely be a topic for, you know, when, when we talk uh, next or next month. But mm -hmm. when we gain weight, it's largely fat. When we lose weight rapidly, it's not just fat you lose, it's muscle, it's water, it's collagen, it's tissue, it's liver, it, you know, there, cause the body is constantly in a process of turnover of protein turnover, which is one of the things that determine protein needs and rapid weight loss does a couple of things. Number one, the quality of the weight loss is typically not great mm -hmm. and it can be muscle, right? So it can be muscle and, and it can be fat, but it, it's typically not great quality of weight loss. The other thing is, is it really does create, depending on how you're doing it, it can increase cortisol, right? Yeah. Your body- Stress is, hormone. It is a stress hormone. It can increase mm -hmm. cortisol. Your body can also adapt to the rapid weight loss. And it's a, an adaptation where your metabolism- can slow down over a period of time because it wants to compensate. Absolutely. Our bodies want to stay where they're at. Yes. And then mm -hmm. ultimately, one of the other things that happens is if you are doing severe dieting over a period of time, the body becomes very smart. For example, if you are doing 800 calories a day over a period oh. of time, the body will regulate itself to expect 800 calories a day, slow your metabolism down enough where that is an appropriate amount of calories which is tragic. Yeah. I reverse dieted my way to like 2,200 calories a day. I tell you coming off like 1200, impressive. I get to eat a lot. <laughs> I love it. Very impressive. But I love food, but it's, it's been a process. It's taking a long time. Yes. And you're also very fit and active and, and you do all those things. Moving a lot, moving a lot for sure. And then the other thing that is also really interesting, and I'm kind of switching topics here, but I'm going to stay on in the vein of very rapid 
weight loss, one of the things that you want to do if an individual were to do lose weight rapidly is actually really increasing protein because mm -hmm. protein has a muscle sparing effect and that can be very valuable, right? You want to maintain as much lean tissue as you can. And I really talk a lot about muscle, but lean tissue is everything. It's liver, it's intestine, it's kidney. And our day-to-day -day fluctuations of protein have a much bigger impact on those organs than it does muscle. Muscle turnover is slower, you know, collagen turnover is even slower than that. Those are nuances that are, you know, from a practical standpoint, incredibly interesting, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe not from anyone listening. They're going to be like, wow, this is so boring, but maybe you're not thinking that, and maybe you're very interested in this. So when you are doing a crash diet, it's really important to reconsider that number one, reconsider that perspective and thinking that the slower you do it, it allows your metabolism to not feel as if it's in a fight or flight mode. I'm using terms and kind of marrying, um, I, you're making it applicable to everybody. I'm I making think, it applicable. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm making it applicable. Your body's not thinking that, right? Like you're that, that's not exactly how no. it's happening, but from a physiological perspective, your metabolism will slow down. When you crash diet, you would increase in stress hormones. Often you will get a change in thyroid hormone. And depending on how you do it, your sleep can decrease and your period may stop. There are all kinds of subsequent mm -hmm. things that can happen. So that's really important. So it's not a, a long-term strategy, but if you were to fall off the wagon and want to get back on the wagon, what are some of the things that you can do to say augment willpower? And this is really a good time to be very strict with your feeding schedule. Right. And that means this is, you know, there's a big push for intermittent fasting mm -hmm. and, you know, I fast myself, but this would be a great place to really implement three meals a day that have equal amounts of protein and why people are like, why are you doing it now? Well, because your body's a bit dysregulated and yes. you're requiring, you, you've kind of switched over. So you've given yourself two weeks, which is about the time it takes to readapt to a diet. Mm -hmm. And you've had a bunch of carbohydrates and not you in particular, but- Oh, definitely all the carbs. Mini <laughs> <laughs> eggs um, are my weakness. I don't know what to say. <laughs> So if this has been you, then a great strategy is to implement three meals a day. You could even do a one-to-one -one ratio of protein to carbohydrates. So it could be 30 grams of protein, 30 grams of carbs, or 40 grams of protein, 40 grams of carbs. Because number one, you want to retrain the body to begin to use its own resources, protein, to balance blood sugar. And when blood sugar is balanced, you're much less likely to have these ebbs and flows of blood sugar hence balanced blood sugar, and then the subsequent drive to eat. Typically when blood sugar drops and you get an increase in these stress hormones, you're going to drive to feed. Right. But if you can take that off the plate, and no pun intended, if you, <laughs> pun can, intended. Right? If you can then regulate your willpower by using macronutrients in a way that is a bit more balanced, then you will find that you are struggling less. And I think that like when you talk about cravings and stuff, your body, it, it, my body, can't comment on everyone's bodies, but when I get in that, that sugar fix, it's so much harder to get out of it. And exactly. I started working with a trainer a while ago and she was like, oh man, you're having way too much sugar. I, it wasn't something I was paying attention to at all. And then I, I really eliminated, not entirely, 
but eliminated like added sugar. You know, I do have a sweet tooth. I was having candy and stuff. Like I really wasn't having candy at all anymore. And then April rolls around and mini eggs come out and just like one day, just having them one day just like set me off wanting, totally. wanting more. And I'm aware of that. I'm aware that it's a weakness. I usually try not to give into it because at the end of the day, like it's affecting my blood sugar levels. Like I've, I've leveled up. So instead of like, because I go snowmobiling, um, instead of taking, Very like mini, active. you do all kinds of stuff. Instead of taking mini eggs for a snack or something on the mountain, I was having like a cliff protein bar and just like little swaps like that made, made a really big difference. We are going to be pressed for time here soon. Uh, but I did have one question for you just wrapping up all, uh, women's mm -hmm. health. Is there any emerging research about anything in women's health that you think is pertinent to people who are tracking their nutrition? That's a really good question. Okay, I'm gonna say something that I think is, it may be a bit controversial, but I'm actually, I have a podcast, which I'm actually just launching and I'm having a world leading expert on methionine restriction. Her name is Tracy Anthony. She's actually coming on my podcast. So this is something that I've been thinking about. It's not particularly geared at women, but there's this idea that autophagy is kind of the hot topic. And it I is. really feel right. And I really feel the concept of autophagy is essentially a way in which the body can clean out old cells. So this and, typically happens for people who aren't aware uh, when you fast for a certain yeah. amount or you can exercise or you can yeah. calorie restrict. There's kind of like all different ways. One of the things that's really interesting is that, you know, there's a lot of fasting data and mechanisms that are in rodents. Right. So just go with me here for a second and including this, what I'm about to tell you. So there's some evidence in rodents that by restricting methionine, which is one of the amino acids, that there's this increase in self-cleaning mechanisms. But again, it's only, it's only in rodents and it's a highly unbalanced diet. And the way in which you would do kind of a methionine restriction would be say, for example, 100% plant-based. So like fruits and vegetables, plants for four or five days. This okay. is in my mind, how this translates. And it's a way in which perhaps, you know, like a, a vegan diet is extreme, but it's mm -hmm. creating a lot of methionine restriction, which is this amino acid. So what I think is emerging and where I think that this can be beneficial is taking that from bench work, which it means that it's still kind of basic science and really into rodent models and applying that to humans, not for a lifestyle, not for a lifestyle, but for very short, discrete periods of time may be interesting. And that is different than a high protein diet. That's different than protein optimization, but it's a way in which you are adjusting the amino acid ratio simply by doing a plant-based vegan diet for a very short period of time. And again, this is just emerging. I haven't mm -hmm. seen this in, in, in uh, humans, but mechanistically, I think that there could be something very interesting there for a very short period of time. So it kind of like that, like a cleanse without being like a detox or that word, you know, I feel yeah. like, I feel like that word has gotten a, a bad reputation like now, reset. but yes, I like that better. I like yeah. that. You know, like and it's a very better. targeted night and it doesn't mean that it's right for everyone. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's even going to translate. Uh, it'll be very interesting to hear what Tracy Anthony has to say and, and really where, where that could potentially work for humans, because 
when you think about it, arguably we weren't designed to eat the same thing no. over uh, a period of time. We do live in different domains of the world. Different there stuff is, is in season. There's everything. things that are in season. Yeah. Um, and I think that nature is probably really smart and we are just so far removed from it that we don't actually know. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that there are times where hunting was really hard and fruits and vegetables were very plentiful. And on the flip side, maybe there are times where animals are just available. So mm -hmm. I think that there's probably components to all of that, that whether it's plant-based for a period of time or animal-based for a period of time, in discrete ways in which it's done, I think is, you know, there's potential benefits. That's awesome. So that's what I think is new and interesting. Well, I can't wait to hear more about that on your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being our first guest. I can't wait to, for this for this to get out. And I'm obviously the video will be shared, but we're going to be on uh, Google and Apple and Spotify, Spotify probably, and, and yep. YouTube. What about YouTube? Oh yeah, we'll be everywhere. Okay, so and, and YouTube, and obviously I'll put this in my newsletter. So thank you. We can find it too. Well, we'll probably send it to all of our users so they can, can learn about. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think we covered some really good topics and gave some action items. I think yeah, first one. Yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so um, much, Dr. G. Yeah. Star. Okay. Let's we'll talk, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. My name is Elisa Tennant, and I am the Community Marketing Manager at Chronometer. Just want to say thanks to Dr. Gabrielle Lang for being our first guest. So happy to have you, Dr. G. And if you like what you heard today, there's going to be more of that coming. So make sure that you subscribe. Next month, we're interviewing registered dietitian Adam Ross for Men's Health Month to discuss some strategic planning and building a diet that's going to work for you long term. See you then.